listening to the horizons podcast the podcast that shines the light on the music industry looking from the landscapes of today to an ever expanding tomorrow here on bundalung country my name is will and today we are going to be discussing the lifestyle of a busy and adventurous freelance musician i would love to invite a special guest into the conversation dave sanders who is not only a local legend around lismore but has traveled around australia playing for big names like pete murray jojo smith and many more his experience and professionalism has made him a reliable and dedicated musician. So, hey Dave, it's great to have you on our show. What inspired you to pursue music as a career in your early life? Did it start in your early life or did you find out later? Uh, what did inspire me to pursue music as a career? Mm. Um, well, I was having a conversation with my father the other day actually about this. And I said to him that, you know, I've never been able to decide what I want to do. And I can, I've been able to work out what I don't want to do. The only time I decided what I wanted to do was when I wanted to be get an apprenticeship to be a carpenter. Oh. And in year 10, I, I sent off a massive amount of letters and, you know, trying to get an apprenticeship as a carpenter. And I couldn't get one, so I went back to school. Um, after that, I had no idea of what I wanted to do. I figured, well, it was so hard to get an apprenticeship. You basically, you had to have a father or an uncle or someone who was a carpenter to take you on because it was, it was expensive and difficult for them to do it. And, um, so at that point, I, I, you know, I just went back to school and, you know, I remember sitting, um, when people were talking about what universities they were going to apply for, I had no idea. Um, and so I just spent, um, you know, when I left school in the, you know, end of the eight, in, end of year twelve, I worked in a bunch of different jobs in you know factories, like maybe a factory making kitchen, flatback sure. kitchens, and worked as a builder's labourer. Did a couple of days as a milkman. Uh, did one day picking potatoes, um, and I went. I was somewhere. Um, my I, I grew up in Sydney, but when I was sixteen, my parents moved to the country to Barrel. So at that point, you know, like I was living in uh, Barrel at Country Town, about two hours south of Sydney. And what happened was, um, I was driving somewhere with my mother in Wollongong, which is a coastal town. Um, south of Sydney, and we went past a drum shop. And I said, oh, that's a drum shop. Well, let's go in the drum shop. <laughs> and um, I went to the drum shop, and they said, oh, you know, and I said, oh, do you do lessons? You know, because I'd had lessons, drum lessons, you know, through in high school and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they said, yeah, you know, we do. So I booked in for some lessons. And two or three weeks after I booked in and, you know, after a couple of lessons or whatever, they told me they were having a workshop with a drummer called David Jones, who was, uh, who I'd seen do one gig, um, with Don Burrows. My parents took me to when I was in year 11 or year 12 or something like that. And David Jones was just, this, you know, just amazing drummer. I thought, oh, I'll go to this workshop. And I went to this workshop and it was really amazing. Um, 
and I've kept the notes from it and I've learned to play all the stuff on the notes. And at the same time, around that time, the guy in the drum shop said, do you want a job teaching drums? You know, because, uh, you know, and it was kind of, it sounds bad to say it, but there was nothing any of these teachers could teach me. Like I, I was already at their level. I wasn't at their experience, but I was at their level. And through David Jones, who he was teaching at the conservatorium in Sydney, I started sort of asking him, saying, what, you can study music? I didn't know you could study music, you know, or whatever. And then, um, you know, audition for one of these places. And, and I did that and I got in. And so that was a two-year period from finishing high school. You know, I had to do some study on piano and all that. So I, I kind of, I really hit it hard for about 14 or 15 months. I really like practiced a lot, like, you know, six, six hours a day is on the drums, maybe two hours piano practice every day. And then I would teach in the afternoons and I started teaching local kids in the town in Barrel with the whole goal of, you know, I'll see if I get in. And I just got in by the skin of my teeth. I got in not because I could play the drums, because there's heaps of drummers. What I, the reason I got in, because they test you all on ear training and harmony and your chordal knowledge on the piano. And, and I could do that because I'd been having piano lessons um, and, th- and doing you know, music theory and all that sort of stuff. Let's go back to when you were talking about how you were practicing on keys. And I know you're quite a versatile instrumentalist yourself. You know, you, you can play bass, you can play keyboard, drums is your primary. And I also heard from a little someone that you can you're quite good at vocals do you believe that as a freelance musician it's quite important to be well versed in all other instruments or do you believe you just need to be good at one and you'll be sorted i mean you know there's the saying um jack of all trades master of none you know at some point you have to be really exceptional at one thing it depends on where where you live your environment you know so i think you know, okay, if you live in regional Australia and you want to be a musician, I mean, you're nuts already. Like, you're crazy. <laughs> There's not a big enough population for for you. It's almost like this. it's a microcosm of what it is to be a musician in Australia in general, is that what we need in this country and, and, and the smaller the scene is, uh, will increase this need, is you need versatility. So mm. if you could play you know, one instrument well and you can, you know, you can do backup vocals or, or maybe, you know, you can play a little bit of whatever. It means there's more chance you may do some, you know, a bit more work. Um, whereas I think if you're in a larger scene, any more international scene like Los Angeles or New York or Europe or something, you know, like maybe, you know, you need to have something really special about the one thing that you do. Um, so I think if you're living in a smaller, small, smaller scene, maybe the versatility is good. I mean, being able to sing half decent is a good skill because you know you can make a band, you know, a band sound better with backing vocals. Um, without you know, it's it's a cost-effective way and it's also fun. Um, yeah. But you know, there's some people who are really versatile. There are some people I know um, who can who you could hire to do a gig on. A multiple of instruments, you know, and they'll cut it. Mm. But they still get known for one thing over the other. Some people, if they've got into music early enough, are really capable across the board. Do you reckon your time at university and your time studying music 
has impacted your end result in your career? No. I think the two things are... There's a level of education you might get, you know, like studying, you know, music and learning theoretical or Hmm. conceptual ideas about music is one thing. Um, Being, making uh, connections and networking, you know, that dirty word, networking, two words maybe, (laughs) of, uh, of meeting people, your peers... Is, is really important. Yeah. And the other thing is being, you know, contrary to popular belief is is being put under pressure to deal with that pressure. I mean, there's a piano player called Mike Knock. He's a great jazz piano player and composer who's uh, taught, you know, has taught at the Conservatorium in Sydney. And he's great. He's like, you know, I really... You know, I really like his music, I like his playing, and I like him as a guy. But when I studied, when he was like in charge of the class, and I, just, I hated him because he was so hardcore, you know. <laughs> he was so hardcore, you know, and, and he's, you know, kind of famous for berating people saying, Do you listen to this music? You know, and, and, and to the point where, you know, like I'd have mild anxiety attacks about going to class with him. So he was scared or so angry that I wanted to thump him. And that sort of pressure is good. Because you do have to deal with pressure. I, I think one thing that's a problem, you know, in education, and where, where people there's a lot of people scared to be to put people under pressure because they may have, you know, we don't want to, you know, you don't want to go the other way and, and and turn someone off doing something or make it so hard that they have, you know, anxiety attacks. But I mean, at the same point, you know, like you. There, you have to, you know, like you have to learn how to deal with pressure. So I think that's an important thing that is is good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's certain things I, I I learnt or didn't learn at, when I was studying, like ear, ear training, I found incredibly hard. As did most drummers and most bass players that I, you know, really like being able to hear something and write it out accurately or hear the inversions of chords. It's like if I didn't have, I didn't have years and years of playing that stuff already behind me to be able to hear it. And I compare it to, say, my son who's played piano since he's five, you know, he'll those sort of classes he just breathe, would breathe, breeze through. You know, I, for my instrument, that isn't, hasn't been a hindrance for me, so it doesn't matter. I think if I was a horn player or a piano player, a guitarist, that would have been more important. No, I wouldn't have. Mm. I, would, my, I, I wouldn't have been able to... Uh, just me personally wouldn't have been able to move to a city and pursue music um, either because my lack of confidence or maybe because you know I'd have to move and get a job uh, you know and and maybe you know it just wouldn't have for my way of thinking and uh, maybe my parents way of thinking it would have wouldn't have computed you know at that point in your life you were supposed to be deciding with what you were going to do and pursuing it um, you know. And for better or worse, as soon as I got there, I had a decision that I would never ever work again in something that had nothing to do with music. If I was going to spend my time studying music, um, I wanted to work in music, whether that was, you know, any aspect of what it is to work in music. When COVID was really bad last year, um, when it was like, I know you're still educating and still working at your, your schools and endeavors and stuff, but in your gigging life, 
did it hit you hard? Did you have to find other ways to, you know, fulfill that kind of hole? You mean financial or music? Financial to, you know, enjoying playing in front of people to, you know, yeah, that kind well, of thing. Okay, yeah, to be honest, you know, I've been tired of playing live for a long time. You know, like I've played consistently wow. live, um, you know, I've played consistently live for a long time and, you know, done a, you know, like everyone, done a lot of everything, everything mm. you call live playing and it, or everything that goes with it, traveling and, and late nights and, you know, I'd gotten to a point, you know, and I'd also, you know, well, I'd raised a family through that and had moments where I've gone, wow, I haven't seen my kids, you know, um, for a long time. And every every musician I know has had a point where they've questioned about playing live. And I was quite uh, sick of that. And I was mm. sick of touring a few, a couple of, before COVID, I was quite sick of touring, um, like really, you know, found it difficult um and so i'd made a decision not to tour for quite a while i'd sort of openly said to everyone yeah you know you know unless someone can offer me the biggest carrot in the world be <laughs> the best musical experience or the biggest wad of money i'm not going near an airport i don't want to do that for a while i'm really tired of it um mm. my, my health actually was suffering considerably because of it so um for me the covid thing it was quite uh shit that it had happened you know yeah. like i was still doing i had a few really nice residencies locally that i enjoyed doing and i was doing um quite a number of nice gigs like i'd made it i'd already sort of made a decision before covid that i was going to do more less of what i didn't like doing musically and more of what i liked doing um hmm. and so I'd put in things in place as I'd taken up, I'd started doing some extra teaching and, um, you know, a private school that my friend runs and, and um, another high school and from home as well. So mm. I'd sort of gone, okay, if I'm going to do this and say no to a bunch of gigs, I'm going to have to have all this other stuff sort of on the boil to fill up the hole of that income. So... But what happened then I was just doing all of it anyway, because that's every, it always happens, you know, like I've got every, I was, I was teaching more than I'd ever taught before and I was still doing all the gigs. And so the COVID thing was like the real, like, okay, yeah, actually don't, you're not going to do any gigs for a while. Um, hmm. And, you know, yeah, it was sort of like a bit of a financial hole, but it filled, um, it's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, like it sort of, I still had recording work to do for people um, and, you know, the the whole Zoom teaching thing seemed to take up and yeah. so it's sort of, it's sort of um, yeah, it's only been in the last, the last few months where I've gone, oh, maybe this is it. And I, am I happy with this being it? And I'm not happy with this being. I still, I still want to play music. I still feel like I've got things to say, you know, um, all that sort of business. So, um, you know, probably the worst thing was I had booked a bunch of shows that I really wanted to do with um, artists that I really liked, and I'd helped book the tours, and and they all got cancelled. 
they were off for around this time of year and they got all everything got cancelled which is um kind of a shit when you're yeah. when you're the who's booking it because it's a lot of work booking all those things and and arranging it and and so that's probably the worst thing but yeah it's not like i'm you know uh, i'm not judging my worth my self-worth about how many gigs i'm doing i, I used to mm. but um yeah fair enough well yeah, your question was <laughs> yeah um but you, you just said just then that you you helped organize massive tours by the sounds of it Did, have oh, you, decent runs yeah decent runs yeah so what is involved in that do you do you do that a lot with a lot of your no, I don't do it or... I do it occasionally with someone I really like so there's a, a singer who lives in Paris who's originally from Melbourne but she lives in Paris called Hetty Kate hmm. and uh, I just really like her singing I really like her singing and the fact that um, her guitarist of choice is a friend of mine, James Sherlock. He lives in Melbourne, um, and we, you know, we've, our, he used to live up here, and our kids grew up together, and we used to have holidays together. So he's a friend. Mm-hmm. He's got, we see, you know, we see each other once a year and go surfing together and all that sort of business. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, we can book this run. I can hang out with James, and um, yeah, and, and it's sort of like musically, it's really good, you know. And and, and to me, if I'm going to book someone, I want to be totally sure that number one is I'll, I'll fill whatever room and and number two that it'll be good um and so I, I don't book anything major i don't have you know that sort of stuff but occasionally i will um hmm. just because i want it to happen you know yeah cool and do you reckon a lot of experience comes into that or is it just how do you plan these things well, half of it is knowing people. I mean, if you've been around long enough and worked in enough venues, you know, um, you know agents, you know uh, people who book the rooms, you know venues, you know every, mm. you know, bunch of different things. So you can just because you personally know them, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. and because I've worked with some people, you know, of uh, you know notoriety. Um, that certain people remembering me from working with such and such, so I can sort of pull that card. Hey, you remember I bought, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Got you that beer that one time, remember? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a, a, a lot of work to do. Mm. Um, it can be quite, you know, frustrating. Yeah, it would uh, be. Yeah. All the behind the scenes for sure. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't mind doing it, but I'm much rather go on them than plan them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone, enough. you know, like one thing I think everyone should do is, if you've never booked a gig, but you've, you know, there's like there's people who just do gigs, you know, who very rarely book their own. I'm one of them. You know, ninety nine percent of what I've done is just, you know, take a phone call or an email and say yes, thanks. Um, but once you, once you start booking stuff and organ or, or being a musical director and organizing people, um, or anything mm. like that, you get a different perspective on what it is to do it. Yeah. And everyone should have, everyone should have a turn at doing it to realize how much extra work it is. And it's almost like no matter how much extra pay you factor into it, it's not worth it. Wow. Yeah. 
it's you know it's almost like that wow i mean you know i'm not moving i'm not moving in circles where they're talking you know hundreds of thousands of dollars i don't work in that world but i mean you know like you know if you if you you know if you book in a room and maybe you're getting you know i don't know Maybe you're getting eight thousand dollars through the door or something, and and you know my car. I always look and go, shit! I didn't take enough out of this for the work I did. Um, wow, yeah. You know, because it is it always is a lot. Well, it sounds like you've, you've had your your massive share of t- touring and you know performing live in front of, I'm guessing, hundreds of people. Have there ever been, you know, significant? Performances that have changed your career or that have been so memorable you'll never forget? Um, have you forgotten no. it? <laughs> no. uh, I remember there's a, this, this is guy called Rodriguez who was, you know, um, pretty famous. Um, I did one of the tours, or did about three tours of Australia with him. You know, there's a whole documentary made about him, you know, and... Um, but we did. I, I was did one of the first tours in. I don't know what year. Maybe it was two thousand and eight or nine or something like that. That he hadn't been to Australia for over twenty years or thirty years, and every every show was a sellout. Every it just kept, you know, they it just kept being added to this run of shows, hmm. and um, I think we were. You know, everywhere we went, you know, like, I mean, musically it wasn't like, I mean, I really like his songs and I like him. He's a nice man. But it wasn't like a musical experience. It was more like, wow, you know, listen to this guy. You know, he starts a song and I can't hear the band now because the audience. Wow. You know, and I was going, you know, that was like, I mean, that's what it's like at a crowded house concert, you know, and, and that was pretty that's kind of nice to go, wow, you know, they just, they love him, you know? Yeah, definitely. See, sometimes the, the really memorable gigs are just ones that aren't that important. They're not, like, that amazing. Uh, like, there's nothing about them except the music was good. Um, but they might be, you know, I've had plenty of times when I've just gone, wow, this is really good. I'm really enjoying playing this. And it's, like, in a sh- shitty place, you know, it's nothing special. You know, it's just a little gig. You know, it's really fun. Yeah, I, one one really memorable one was I, I've got a, a a band that's a project that's been on and off for a long time with a mate of mine, Christian Pyle. Hmm. And we had this song. We got a lot of airplay in two thousands or early two thousands on Triple J, and we never really toured because everything every time we released an album or a single or whatever, it seemed to coincide with someone having a baby. It's not like we can pay ourselves enough to go away and tour and all this, you know, we're not, we've got to keep the fires being at home. Um, mm. But I know we played at Splendor on the big stage there and the, the particular song we had that got a lot of airplay at that point, the intro is a ping pong game, you know, like, and it's across a stereo field, and it's literally two mm. microphones were above. It was recorded. Two microphones are above a ping pong table, and so you hear people playing tikung, tikung, oh. 
And cool. the, loop, the loop was created out of that. And I, I used to have it on a little um, sampler looped up. And it's got like a glockenspiel and a toy piano sort of line that goes through it. <laughs> it's called Fading Light by it's Acre Fading Light. You can find it on Spotify. Um, but anyway, we had this idea while well, we're playing this big festival. Why don't we do it with ping pong balls? And so no. I, we, there's three of us. We had a bucket of ping pong balls each. <laughs> ping pong balls. And I had a little wooden table with a condenser microphone on it where I went tick-kong, so I would hit my bat and go tick-kong. And <laughs> another Tim, the bass player, would throw two onto a table which was mocked where the glockenspiel was and there was a mic and go, ka, ka. <laughs> Christian would hit the ball across the microphone, ka. So, tikung, kung, kung, ka, tikung. <laughs> and there's like you know, people on the main stage at Splendor and there's just ping pong balls like everywhere, you know, like there's just ping pong balls going everywhere. <laughs> loop and it's you know it's that was pretty funny that sounds awesome yeah wow, i mean just, so just was just so it was just kind of let's let's do that and see if you can do it but you know like and we tried to do it at another gig it was like man you fucking end up paying so much in ping pong balls you know you buy the go you to the dollar shop and you buy the shit ping pong balls they don't sound any good They've got to be good quality ping pong balls to sound any good. So, How much are they? I don't know, but I remember just going, this is sustainable, you know. <laughs> Grab them, you know, like in the smaller gigs we did, you, people are getting the balls and they're pegging them back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the festival is like a long, there's a big distance, you know. Yeah, true. <laughs> they don't get the ammo. <laughs> yeah. oh, one, one other moment I remember having... Um, there's a great singer called Jojo Smith where I remember multiple times playing with her where I've, she's singing and I've just got shivers up my spine, you know, like, and this, like, shivers and, like, an outpouring of emotion that comes from when she sings, you know, and I'm going, shit, I'm going to lose it and start crying, you know, like, and I wow. look into the audience and everyone's crying in the audience. <laughs> Like this same, you know, she's yeah. So those sort of things are pretty special. That yeah, actually, that, that, that's, that situation was like, well, when I went, wow, this is more than music. I don't know what's going on here, but it's much more than music. It's some wow. other. Mm. But yeah, no, wow. That, it sounds like you've had some quite memorable experiences. Honestly, it sounds it sounds real, you know, influential and real inspiring. But do you reckon? people have the wrong mindset when they're coming into this industry? Do you reckon people shoot for the fame rather than the experience and the joy of performing music? And do you think freelancers, for example, only want to play in the massive gigs? Or is that something that you should be looking forward to? I think you should do what you want to do. You need, we need people who are like, if they, we need, you have to have people who like fame and who want to be famous and who, 
because you know if they if they happen to be a singer or an artist you know you need those people that are of that mindset because they're the people who you work for as a freelancer hmm. um, and they're you know like you know who's gonna come to Dave Sanders gig yeah, okay. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the same as like, um, you know, you need those people because they're the they're a star attraction. Some people just have that. Some people you can see, just that's what they want to be. That's mm. and they have that. And we want, you know, we want them. So, you know, society wants them. Uh, I think freelancers. I think one thing that maybe Australians have a problem is, is, you know, like me, saying what they want to do. I want to be the best drummer in the world. I want to be the most in-demand touring drummer in the world, you know. Uh, you know, like I don't, I, I, I think it's, it's, it shouldn't be a bad thing to have those goals. Mm. And it's not a bad thing to say it, but, I mean, then there's what, what does it take to be that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um you know, uh, there's no fame in being a freelance musician. I mean, shit, you know, who knows who Steve Gadd is? <laughs> Outside of musicians and drummers, you know. True. Like, I mean, no one really knew who for fuck Charlie Watts was until he died. No, that's I mean, it, hey. Everyone knows Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Mm. You know? so, and Dave Bowie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Who's the bass player in the Rolling Stones? Who's been the bass player since Bill Wyman left? Does anyone know? I don't. <laughs> Daryl Jones, you know, Daryl mm. Jones. But, I mean, you know, you sort of go, well, you, you know, you don't, if you want to be famous, don't be a freelance musician. <laughs> Fair enough. A long, a long gig. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you there. It's, yeah. The other thing, you know, I don't know what your your question was, but I think maybe people like the idea of it, but they don't like the work. They kind of just expect it. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. I think I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, like the idea of being a musician, but the work of being a musician, the work of getting your, you know, your level up, your level of ability you know, or skill level high enough is a long process mm. and it takes a lot of diligence and it's not fun a lot of the time. And then um, the work of being a freelance musician can be, you know, a, a lot of boring, you know, boring sort of pre preparation, you know, and then sometimes quite thankless even for the people you work for. Mm. Most yeah. freelance musicians will have like one, will have their handful of people that they'll drop everything for and they'll be totally loyal to working with those people because they'll be the artists or the, who just, you know, you know they value you, they care about you and, and that they, um, you know, they really understand that without the musicians, they don't really have anything to do, you know. They'll be singing with the backing track. Or some shit. And then, and then there's the artists that you know don't value you at all. They because they can't either 
they think you're not that important or, or they can't actually hear the difference between you and the next person. You know, um, mm. plenty of that. It's, there's a lot of that. Um, do, you, do you actually have any advice for people, you know, in their 20s and 30s in this current time right now, um, how they can still be engaged in the freelance, you know, specter and, and how they can put themselves out there? I don't know that asking someone my age is the guy, is the person who gives you the answer to that. I think it's, it's just that you, you'd be talking to someone who's, you know, if you're 20, what are you, 22? I'm 20. 20. If you're 20, you know, you'd be talking to someone who's 26. You know, um, I, I think, um, I mean, right now, he would be a freelance musician right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest anyone would be a freelance musician right now, mm-hmm. because you know freelance musicians. Uh, you know, you need to be playing live or recording. You know, you, you, people you work for need to be earning money to be able to employ you, and if they can't do their gigs, uh, there's no. There's you know, you're not going to work. So. I think it's very difficult. So I think what you know, maybe what it is is learning how to keep people, let people know that you're still alive and mm. what you do, and maybe you know things like social media. You know, even though you know, I mean, social media. You know, like I guess Instagram and all that sort of stuff is. Or I, I know there's TikTok now. I don't do TikTok. <laughs> neither. But, neither. But I mean, I know that that's a thing, you know. Yeah. That's a thing, you know. So, so you should learn. I would say, yeah, make sure you understand how to market what you do, so people know that you're a drummer or you're a bass player and that you play this sort of music. Um, to the point, you know, like you might, you know, create videos as a band, you know, like playing in, in a room, so that people know what you do. Um, You know, I you know it's a bit of the my friend that lady I was telling you about Hetty. She she, she said it's it's a, who screams the loudest at the moment. So it's you know it's like really making sure people know who you are. I think when gigs start happening, then it's like yeah, well you know get out and remember it's a communal communal thing and go go to jam nights and and hang out and 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 you know. It's still going to be, you know, who's, mm. you know, being able to play is one thing, but being someone who's nice to hang out is in, with is important. Yeah, definitely. That reputation as well to, to make with, you know, potential future clients as well. As a freelance yeah. muser, that's like everything really, building those connections. Yeah. See, my, 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 one of my major flaws is that I'm not good to hang out with. <laughs> I'm a grumpy <laughs> You know, Why is that? I'm, like, I'm not grumpy, but I'm like I am. I can be grumpy, but I'm sort of like not a outgoing. Hey, look, you fucking, you know. Where <laughs> people who are really fun and they're really enjoyable to hang out with. I'm more of a quiet person. Uh, who's generally, you know, overtired and you know, consuming the energy for whatever's happening next. And mm. um, you know, so. I think it's important to be, you know, be, you know, sociably able 
Mm. Um, and you know, I, th- I think the other thing is just get your shit together. So, you know, like, you know, when the opportunity arises, you have to be ready to meet the opportunity. So, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, and be able to, to do it. You know, to be able to do the task, you know, whether it's playing your instrument and, and learning repertoire and being business-like and all that is always going to matter. Hmm. Uh, but then in the meantime, it's like, yeah, you know, like if, you know, learning how to use those those social media things to market what you do is important too. Being a freelancer, you know, you've always been getting called up to do some albums or record EPs and stuff like that. I'm guessing you need an arsenal, and I know you do. You have an arsenal of equipment, you know. Oh. Yeah. That... <laughs> yeah, no, arsenal's a funny oh, word. Fucking... <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't handle that when I started. Yeah. But if you have one good t- kick drum and, a, you know, good time and a good floor time and a good couple of good cymbals, which don't mean you, there's good sounding, and then a Ludwig LM400 snare drum, <laughs> that's what you got to have. So you got to start with that snare drum because everyone's got one. Everyone, you know, everyone... Mm. We'll say, yeah, you know, yeah. And then you'll have some other snare drums, like a wooden snare drum or something like that. Yeah. But you don't have to, I mean, you know, you can't be, exp- I mean, you don't know, you've you got to go through where you learn about that stuff as you do it. You know, why You know, why do things sound the way they do? Or, mm. you know, why do they work? You know, or why are they popular? You know, uh why you know why are they why are they popular is it because you know sometimes it's about um people see you know like hear with their eyes you know i mm. bought his little kit to the session it was great it's like you wouldn't know it was a fucking vintage little or not if you're using your ears you know um or but i mean some people go yeah i mean like i did a session where and this the person i did it for is He's a really nice person. I've got nothing. But one of the things they did to promote their album, which again a lot of airplay with, is they got all the people who played on it to do little videos for them, saying, <laughs> "Oh well, on this track I used this, and on, on this track I used this," <laughs> because it's just more content to market it with, you know. True. Um, do people hire you because of that, or I don't you know. I don't know. I think. No, I don't know. I mean, part of it, yeah, part of it's having good good gear that sounds good and knowing how to tune it is, would be important. Hmm. Um, but I don't know why people hire me. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's because they just know you and they can work with you and they trust you, you know. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know I, I get hired for pretty middle-of-the-road stuff, you know. Nothing's too intricate. Nothing's too modern or groovy, you know. Um, mm. But they just know I can do the job. Um, where, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think maybe people like what I do because I'm fairly 
forthcoming with creative ideas. I've got, you know, um, with what we could do. But I don't think that's, you know, I think if you hired um, a lot of great drummers, they would they would have, you know, that's part, you know, session musicians in general, you kind of hire them, hire them for their ideas and their musicality and their ideas as well. And, and rhythm section players in particular, I think you're wanting to get that out of them. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, that's setting the tone for the song. Hmm. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Horizons Podcast. Now, you can join us next episode where I'll be with my good mate, Rowan. Uh, discussing about film music. Now, we're going to be interviewing Yantra de Vilda as well as Sam Foster, and that should be a great discussion. So thank you, everyone, for joining us on our episode. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it, and we can't wait to see you next time. The Horizons podcast is brought to you by our wonderful team. Thank you to our interviewers, Lily Haddenham, Mickey J, Joe Conroy, Liam Gatt, Will Matrakis, and Rowan James. Our music composer, Aidan Panetta. Our graphic designer and social media representative, Bree Truitt. Our executive producers, Mickey J and Liam Gatt. And Lee Carriage for overseeing the project. Thanks for listening.